Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name is Gary and we're at episode 169. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Bit of a strange show, this one. Just me on me, Todd. Adam is uh, away up in the skies, travelling to uh, his Christmas destination. So it's just me. Feels very old school. Feels like back in the day when the podcast, like the first, first dozen or half dozen, uh, or sorry, a couple of dozen shows that I did way back on my own some. So it does feel weird without Adam's little cheeky little, cheeky little voice popping up and, you know, all his chat and waffle and, and rubbish and all that. <laughs> so I hope you guys have had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor Who related. Uh, for me, it's been a fairly, fairly quiet week. Uh, we had a busy one the week before. Um, as you guys know, we went over to the Sharder event over at the BFI, uh, South Bank in London, which is very, very cool. Uh, Adam and I spoke about that last week. I uh, just want to reiterate that it's, if you can, um, there is an event coming up, um, and, uh, there's a, uh, a bunch of tickets available still. If anyone can get to London at the end of January, they're doing a showing of day of the doctor which is going to be awesome. And as we mentioned last week, even if you don't feel too strongly about the Day of the Doctor and you don't really, you know, you're not really fussed about watching it and so on, there's something really, really cool about going to a, a cinema or a public showing and loads of Who fans together watching Doctor Who. It definitely, uh, definitely raises the experience for sure and definitely makes it a very cool, a very cool day. So uh, if you can get to London at the end of Jan, there are, there's quite a few tickets left for that one, actually. I booked mine last night. And uh, after Adam reminded me very nicely on Twitter, because i completely forgotten, as usual, uh, I jumped on the, on the seating plan. There was at least, I don't know, 30-odd tickets still available. So if you just head over to the BFI Southbank website, just to a search for Doctor Who, and you will see it there, the day of the Doctor. So that'd be really cool if you could join us for that. Uh, so I think it's the 28th of January. It's a Sunday. I believe, yeah, at half past two. So that'll be very, very cool. Um, otherwise, I haven't really done too much. Uh, to be honest with you, I've had a fairly quiet one, sort of winding down the end of the year. Um, work is a bit busy, so I haven't had much chance to do uh, Doctor who stuff, but I have watched a couple of classics. Um, I watched Sharder again. Um, 
it's it's yeah i don't want to say too much because we're we're going to review it at some point next year but it's it's a really it's just a great sort of remaster and reconstruction with the animation and everything and i'll tell you something if you guys if you guys are into douglas adams and you're a fan of of any of the douglas adams stories that he's done over you know for classic who and and so on the script Vishada. One thing I will say early on is that it's absolutely brilliant. It's it's just so sharp. It's uh, it's witty and funny, and yeah, it, it's just so cool. So if you guys have um, have got your Shada DVDs or Blu-rays, or whatever, and you haven't watched it yet, definitely stick that on. Or if some of you've got it coming for Crimbo, that'll be good. So I watched Sharda and also um, did a uh, got myself excited a little bit for. Um, for some of the seventh doctor stuff. So, uh, some of you may know or not know, um, I was a little bit rash a few weeks ago, made a bit of a, uh, on the spot purchase, which is, I don't really do for things, uh, this much, but, uh, the seventh doctor Blu-ray box set that the special of the collector's edition set that this, uh, German company, I think they were called Panda storm. I'm going to say Panda storm. Uh, they put together this um, Seventh Doctor Collector set and it looks absolutely beautiful. So, yeah, jumped on and ordered that. So that should be here, I think, by the end of this week or the beginning of next week. So that's going to be really cool. So I got myself hyped up with some Seventh Doctor stuff. I stuck on The Greatest Show of the Galaxy. Very, very cool story. Love that story. And also Dragonfire, which one that I hadn't seen in quite a long time. Which is okay. I don't think we've reviewed that one, to be honest with you. Uh, Dragonfire. Yeah, I don't think we have. So I'm going to keep shtum just a little bit longer on that one. And uh, yes, Dragonfire is the only one of Series 24 we haven't done. So uh, yes, I will keep tight lips on that. So that'll be one for the classic review next year. But yes, yeah, a little bit of Seventh Doctor uh, hyping up, if you like. And also watch the Tenant episode, not because I stuck the... Um, uh, the discs in, but uh, we have a channel here in the UK called W. It used to be called Watch, but now they've uh, they've just abbreviated it to to W. And um, they were showing some tenant stuff because they they go through these phases where they'll do like a little. They won't do an entire series, but they'll do like four or five episodes, or you know, five or six episodes of a particular Doctor. And I think it was Tenant's turn. It must have been uh, over the weekend, I think, or a few days ago. Yes, yeah, on the weekend. Uh, so I managed to catch School Reunion, which was good. Um, yeah, there's something about School Reunion, because it's got, you know, some epic characters in there, uh, notably uh, Sarah Jane. Uh, it's an interesting story, and I think we reviewed it back in... Oh, crikey, when did we review it? We've definitely done it. It was back in... <laughs> Where are we? Uh, school reunion. Oh no, we haven't done it. Hmm. I thought we'd done that one. Why is that showing us? Oh, I see. Yes. Yes. Uh, we've done a commentary on school reunion. We haven't actually reviewed it yet. So if you want to watch along with that, actually, <laughs> if you want to listen to our commentary, uh, but we haven't actually done a proper review. So, hmm, I just keep sight lips about that one as well. Uh, but yes, that was on the W channel. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say any more about that then because uh, we'll need to review that next year as well. Um, and I've got, later on in the show, I've got some very, very brief plans for us for 2018. So that would include reviews and stuff. 
Uh, so yeah, not much else for me. Um, this feels very strange because normally uh, Adam's waffled on for a good ten minutes or so about or so about uh, what he's been up to. He's normally been to about fifteen conventions. He's picked up about you know twenty items of merchandise, and he's watched you know a thousand hours worth of stuff. So uh, yeah, it feels weird to uh, to have this uh, gap without my co-host, but we shall power through. Right, it's going to be a bit of a different show. This is a bit of a coincidence. It's not just because I'm doing this show today solo, but there is no news or merchandise anywhere. I can only assume that the uh, everyone else is sort of winding down as well um, because it's, we're very, very light on the ground. I think the the most news that have, that's popped up in the last week, I would say, was just the the latest trailer for Twice Upon a Time, which looks very cool i'm i'm gonna have a little mini rant about this i'm gonna there was one part that don't get me wrong the trailer was really really good it really got me excited again for because i hadn't seen the uh i hadn't watched the first trailer or the first teaser uh, in a little while and when this came out i was like ooh, i wonder what they're going to show and for the most part it was great it really did get me sort of excited and and ramped up for for crimbo but there was one bit that really burnt the bacon. It really did burn the bacon, and I hope it's not the actual part of the show that's where this happens. But essentially, they've they've shown, or they've shown the kickoff part of the regeneration scene for Capaldi, which I'm obviously not happy about. Because, and the reason why I'm not happy is because. The regeneration, because it's Capaldi's last story, and we're obviously going to get introduced to Jodie Whittaker as the new Doctor, and the the entire story seems to revolve around regeneration as well, because all of the promo images and little video snippets that we've seen since the end of Series 10, it's all kind of focused on Capaldi holding back this his regeneration. We see the the yellow regeneration energy from his hand, and he's you know, he's fighting it back and so on. So the whole theme of the story seems to be about that. And what do they go and show in the trailer? Capaldi's like, regen- you know, when he does, you know, when Tennant's famous sort of starfish, star jump pose <laughs> and all of the regeneration is sort of shooting out of his hands and limbs and in his face and so on. And they showed that for Capaldi. Now, a lot of people have said, well, maybe that's just a, a fake regeneration because they, you know, the moth has done that already in series 10, you know, maybe it's just a, a ruse if you're like, you know, that's not the actual regeneration scene, but be a bit lame really to do another fake one, I would say. So it leads me to believe that that is, you know, Capaldi's regeneration scene. And I, of all the things that you would show in the trailer, for me, that's the thing that you don't want to show because it's a regen story for Capaldi and the new doctor, we're going to see Jodie for the first time. And like I said, the whole thing seems to focus around that. Why would you show that in the trailer? I'm really, am. it really did. Honestly, I was so angry when I first saw it because up to that point I was over the moon. I was like, wow, this looks awesome. This looks great. But then that little clip and also the, um, I don't know if there's going to be the, a new thing for Jodie's era, like uh, if they're going to include it in the new intro or or in in series eleven. But the 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 vortex, there's like a little, just a two second clip of the TARDIS down going down the vortex, and that looks really cool. 
So I'm hoping that that's more of a design direction they're going because that looks awesome. Uh, but yeah, the 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 regen scene that just really burnt the bacon. As soon as I saw that bit, I was like, "Oh, you're joking!" Because I don't I don't want to know the circumstance around Capaldi's regeneration. I want to see it fresh in the in the episode. So we see him in the TARDIS and he's got the regeneration energy blasting out and everything. And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't want to see that now. I want to be, I want that to be built up to me throughout the story. You know, yes, you know, 99% of the time the doctor does regenerate inside the TARDIS. That's true. But, you know, still I want to be, you know, I want to be led up to that point. (sighs) But there we go. So, yes. Uh, the, the the trailer is very cool, don't get me wrong. Really cool, get me excited, all that stuff. But I'm just really miffed at the BBC for, or BBC America for, for putting that, um, sorry, not BBC Worldwide, I suppose, for putting that clip in the trailer. Not needed. Not needed at all. But there we go. That That's the only sort of new stuff that I've seen, really. Same for merch. I mean, we've had the usual kind of uh, big finishy stuff. There's that sort of trickling out. Um, the big one was the uh, the 10th Doctor Adventures Volume 2. That was out a few weeks ago, and since then it's just been the usual sort of main range stuff. So really, not much going on at all. I, like I said, I think everyone else is just winding down the year and is keeping fairly quiet and just waiting for the big explosion of, you know, twice upon a time to, uh, to hit us. And uh, yes, and I'm hoping that uh, people that go and see it because there's going to be a, a, a string of showings throughout the north part of the UK where they're going to show it in cinemas and so on. And I'm hoping that our good friends, whoever you are that go and see that, will just try and keep shtum on, on the interwebs and uh, and not spoil it for everybody. It's a very I know it's very difficult because, um, you know, you're excited and you want to discuss it and, and so on. But, you know, please, you know, just take a, a thought, a, a minute, just to think. Never thought about the the people that haven't seen it yet who are going to wait until Christmas Day. The same thing's happening with Star Wars. I'm going to see Star Wars: The Last Jedi tomorrow night, and uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday. By the way, I'm going to see that tomorrow night, and it's so difficult because normally, um, I on, on my um, one of my Twitter accounts is a Star Wars Twitter account that I run. And obviously that, the the only people that I follow within that account is everything to do with Star Wars. So, you know, basically, you know, loads of other Star Wars fans, Lucasfilm, Disney, all the actors, you know, people that make it. So I follow all of those people on Twitter and it's so difficult to not jump on there. And, you know, fair play, there has been a lot of um, sort of spoiler free reviews, but I haven't even read those. I just don't want to know. I don't want to know. I want to go into it fresh. So I understand the whole th- thing, you know, once you've seen it, it's like, oh, this is awesome and stuff. But yes, it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, please just keep those spoilers under your hat. So anyway, no news, no merch. It's all fairly quiet at the moment. Uh, so it's going to be a slightly different show. We're going to do a little bit of a, a year in review, just pick out a couple of bits that's happened in Who in general and us for the podcast. Then we're going to do a little bit of Q&A. And then finish up with just a very brief uh, plan for us for 2018. So in true fashion, big blue box fashion, let's land the TARDIS and get into it. 
So, some notable things that have happened throughout 2017 for Doctor Who. Um, I would probably say um, that like the biggest news that we've had, obviously, that you're all fully aware of, unless you've been in a nuclear bunker for six months, uh, is that we had the, the news that Capaldi would be leaving and we'd be getting a new Doctor in the form of Jodie Whittaker, our first female actor to play the Doctor. And I, I remember there was a, there was a lot of uh, hoo-ha, should we say, around this, as one would expect. Um, it's just one of those... It's one of those things where it's been a long time coming, I think. Uh, I think it was. An, I think we all knew it was inevitable. It was going to happen at some point. We just didn't realise that it kind of came out of nowhere as well. Because although the BBC, they're sometimes a little bit kind of slapdash with their spoilers and so on. You know, they do have a habit of jumping the gun and revealing stuff quite early on. Um. One example would be um, showing uh, John Sim as the master coming back. You know, that was a, you know, there was, I know that they said there were certain reasons and for that, but it, it was still a, a big reveal that, you know, anyways. Um, but yeah, so this kind of came out of nowhere because we had the usual sort of cast list roulette, if you like, that we always go through when there's a new doctor everybody starts throwing in their suggestions and theories. And some people even claim it was so, that was disappointing. Actually, there was so many people that said, I know who the new doctor is. It's this person, it's this person. And you know, they're all wrong, obviously. <laughs> um, but there was that usual stuff and every, you know, probably since, well, yeah, I guess, I mean, even back in the classic years, it's always been talked about that, um, uh, a female doctor could potentially uh, take over. And interestingly, there's, there's a really good interview actually on the, anyone that's got the Caves of Androzani uh, DVD. I think it's the standard as well as the special edition one, but there's a really good interview on there with Peter Davison. He's on some morning chat show in the UK. I can't remember the name of the show, but he's on there with John Nathan Turner, who was the showrunner at the time. And one of the, one of the women that was running, the, uh, that was doing the interview did say, you know, how about a female doctor? And this was back in like the, the eighties, the very early eighties. And I'm pretty sure it had been mentioned even before that as well. So even back in the classic years, you know, they were talking about having a female doctor, but because it went for so long, so many years of not having that, uh, I think we were just, we were blindsided just a, a wee bit. <laughs> um, on, on Jodie being announced. Um, now, there are still some strong views on this. Um, you know, we've spoken to, we still speak to people who, you know, constantly say, you know, what what do you think the show's going to be like with with a, with a female doctor and so on? And really, it's, you know, I, I don't think, I, I think to focus on the, the doctor being female kind of does an injustice to the show and the people making it really, because if you focus on that too much and if you try and, you know, if, if you're, if your intent is to, you know, judge the show on, you know, whether the doctor's female or male, then you kind of miss in the boat, you know, you're, you're missing the show a little bit. So I, I think it's, it, it, it's better to focus on the stories and the characters 
you know, and try not to think too much about, oh, my show's been ruined now and I don't want the female, you know, just, just go with it. Just see what it's like. It's, it's not really, you know, it's not really fair to, uh, to sort of, uh, beat up on a, on a character or an actor or the program itself without even seeing anything you know, we haven't seen any clips. We, all we've seen is a couple of promo pictures, pictures for Jodie. So it's not really fair to, to go crashing into her or into the show itself without anybody actually even seeing, you know, what, what it's like or anything. So bear in mind that everything is changing now. Uh, we still haven't had an official word yet that Murray Gold's left, although that seems to be the case. But it would seem that literally everything is changing. So new showrunner, new theme, new actors, new music, it would seem. So it's, it, you know, the, the the grand irony with with everything is that, you know, Doctor Who is about change and, you know, to, it's a bit cliched, but it's about regeneration. It's about new beginnings. So, you know, it's, it's all going off topic a wee bit here, but, uh, you know, it, it's really worth um, just, uh, you know, just going with the flow, should I say. And... Uh, yeah, Jodie Whittaker. That was the, that was the big big news um, that happened, and then of course we had the other actors who were announced alongside Jodie. So the the other big sort of controversy was uh, Bradley Walsh, and again it's you know it's the same rules apply. I would say it's the same same thing. You know there was a lot of you know Bradley Walsh being serious. You know, and that's another step towards ruining the show and everything but again just like Jodie just he's got to give it a chance really and remember a lot of people said exactly the same stuff about Catherine Tate when she was announced as the as a regular on the show especially well even before actually when she the runaway bride I remember seeing lots and lots of um of stuff around there um but before I was even watching Doctor Who properly that was I remember seeing lots of people saying that would be that's going to be a disaster, and uh, she turned out to be one of the best companions. Really, so you have to you have to just go with it. You know, I've said it many times before that uh, the casting people behind Doctor Who are you know absolutely brilliant at, at what they do. You know, there's very very rarely will you see bad casting. I'm not going to mention some of the uh, some of the child actors that we've seen over the years, but you know, generally speaking. It, they've always nailed it in terms of uh, of casting. So that was the big one, and then we also had Tosin Cole and Mandeep Jill or Gill as um, as the other companions. Maybe we still don't know if they are companions or what their role is yet. So yeah, the big stuff was Capaldi saying goodbye. He announced that he was off, which is very sad. And then um, we had Jody announced uh, some other notable stuff. So David Bradley. He's had a great year for Doctor Who. He, um, yeah, we first obviously saw him in An Adventure in Space and Time, where he absolutely nailed, for the most part, uh, William Hartnell. And then we heard that he was popping up in the Christmas special, which was yay, playing the first Doctor again, obviously. And then he got his own series on Big Finish as well, which I think is out now or soon um, or early next year. So David Bradley's had a cracking year for Doctor Who. He's uh, really embraced the first Doctor as a character and 
I think he's brilliant as as Hartnell. He's not perfect, obviously. I don't think he's trying to be that perfect. I think he's just trying to sort of more capture the the essence of of Hartnell on screen, and I don't think he's trying to do an exact, you know, uh, imitation of. Uh, of of Hartnell, but um, yeah, I think he's he's brilliant. So David Bradley had a had a great one. Uh, we also had uh, the spin-off show Class that was officially canned by the BBC after it wasn't renewed for a second series. I don't think there was many surprises there. Class was a strange one because that was really really divided. I mean, for the well, I would say the majority of people that that we spoke to. Uh, didn't really like it too much, but there was it did have a little following. There was, there were there were a few people that did really like it, and I think, I, I think it went down a bit better over in the US as well. I think those guys um, uh, were into it a little bit more. But I, I, yeah, uh, we've we've spoken about class on previous shows, and I think we did. Yeah, we actually reviewed each story. So if you go back, whenever it was, if you jump on our website. And just in the right-hand side in the search bar, just do a search for class review or just class. You'll be able to go through and listen to any of our reviews. We reviewed each one um, the week it was out. And I don't want to talk about it too much now, but you guys will probably know that Adam and I were not big fans at all of class. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't a surprise to hear that the BBC had had binned it off, so to speak. Uh, Torchwood nearly came back. That was exciting. Um, John Barrowman, he gave it a really good shot. Um, he started tweeting out and saying that, you know, Captain Jack should be back on the TV and Torchwood needs to come back. And, you know, I remember him tweeting and putting on Facebook his uh, journeys on the way to the BBC offices and he's he had plenty of meetings with the execs there. And really, I think he really gave it a, a solid go to try and sell Torchwood to those guys and try and get it back but I don't think it's going to happen I I honestly don't think it will be back on TV I think he gave it a good shot but um, yeah I think the Beeb just just not having it at the end of the day Um, so like anything to do with Doctor Who if you can't get it on TV then you you go to Big Finish (laughs) those guys if if it's a good story you know, and it's got potential, then those guys will put it out. So that's exactly what happened. Um, uh, Torchwood got picked up as a new series for, by Big Finish, and it, it, it wasn't a spin-off storyline or anything. It was actually a proper canon um, script and so on. So it picked up uh, straight after Miracle Day, which was the last Torchwood that was on TV, and then started the new, the new series stuff, Aliens Among Us. So at least Torchwood's back in some form which is good. Um, but yeah, fair play to Barrowman though. He really did give it a, give it a try, but alas, we still have big finish, which is good. Um, and the other thing really, yeah, was just the Sharda, um, release. And it's really cool that the, that BBC worldwide are still fronting the money to get these projects done because, you know, without them, uh, they just, you know, the, the, the stories that are either unfinished or, you know, we haven't got the video, but we have the audio and so on. You know, if those guys are not fronting the money and putting these projects forward, then, you know, we don't get to enjoy them, which is really good. And I think Shah is the best example so far. Um, the power of the Daleks was good. Don't get me, you know, it, the animation was very good. 
Um, very, very good. But the animation in Sharda is definitely an improvement. I will say that. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't want to talk about this too much, but um, yeah, I think Sharda was a big milestone because it just shows that there is still a massive amount of talent um, to make these projects happen. It's not all about the new Doctor Who that's on, that's coming to TV and so on. You know, there's still a lot of very talented people that you know go, go off and do all this stuff and you don't hear about it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Sharda's being released. And at the Q&A that we had after the screening of Sharda, um, a couple of the people that were involved in making it and so on, it was so interesting to hear them talk about the process and how it got started and some things that they had to do. And their enthusiasm is no less than, you know, somebody who's doing a Q&A for, you know, if you went to see um, Capaldi or the Moth at, at a talk, their enthusiasm is, you know, it's not any less than those guys. You know, everybody that works on Doctor Who, even these projects, you know, it, it's so cool. So I'm hoping that they're going to do it for a couple more things. There are a few other lost stories or see, uh, stories with certain episodes missing. So I'm hoping that BBC America can still, you know, off the back of the sales of the Blu-rays and the, the DVDs and so on, they can pump that back into uh, more restoration projects and so on. So, so that's very cool. So there's some highlights of what happened in Doctor Who in 2017. I'm sure there's a few more, but I just picked out a few that were that were notable. Um, some highlights for us on the podcast. Uh, we attended some really cool events this year. I'm going to mention Sharda again, <laughs> the BFI. That was very cool. Uh, we went to London Film and Comic Con in, I'm going to say July. I think it was July. Yeah, I think it was July. Uh, that was a very, very cool day. Uh, we met up with so many cool um, people there, other podcasters and YouTubers and uh, just people that listen to our show and, you know, other, you know, sci-fi fans. It was really, really cool. And we met some good people as well. Um, so that was a really good event. And then we've had, obviously, the, the smaller events um, that are run by people like Tenth Planet and Phantom Events and so on. Um, I've said this loads of times, but if you are, if you're in the UK and you're in the South or, you know, you don't mind traveling a little bit down to London, try and get yourself to one of the uh, phantom events that are run in London somewhere. So they're not in central London, so you don't have to wade through, you know, a mountain of tourists and, you know, get squeezed into a tube to try and get somewhere. They normally hold them. Um, I mean, it's central, but it's not like, you know, tourist trap central. Um, I think most of them are in a um, are in Chiswick, which is um, not too bad to get to. It's a bit of a walk, but it's not too bad. Um, but they they do some really really good events. And they normally get some great people from Classic Who there. So they've had all of them really. They've had Tom Baker, McCoy, uh, Colin Baker. Um, I'm not sure about Davison. I don't think Davison's done one. Um, but then they get loads of other people. So Sophie Aldridge is always at those things, and we've had Bonnie Langford and. Just loads of people, loads of really cool people. So, and they're really good value as well. I think the tickets are normally £10 and that gets you entry. It normally gets you a free art card as well, which is really nice. And the interview, uh, interview, the autograph price is a pretty reasonable as well. It's normally around £10, £15 maybe. Um, or if you want a photo shoot, it's normally £20, 
which is really good because when we went to London Film and Comic Con, and if you go to any of those really big conventions like MCM and those those larger ones, then obviously the price is a lot more. So you'll probably pay around twenty pounds just for an autograph, and then you're looking at thirty five, forty quid for a photo shoot. So they're really, really good value. So if you can get to any of those, I highly recommend those. Adam and I love going to those. Very, very cool. Uh, what else happened? Um, yeah, we landed on Spotify, which is really cool. So that's another way for you to um, subscribe to the show. So every Friday when these go out, you won't miss it. It'll, you know, it'll be there in your, in your if you create a playlist in Spotify, just add us in there. And we also got Stitcher fixed as well. So Stitcher Radio is one of our... Uh, another podcast directory that we were part of, but they had a few gremlins, a few cybermats wobbling around. So we we weren't actually putting any episodes out for about four or five months, I think. But they finally got all that fixed, and that's um that's working now. So if you guys want to subscribe to the show, the best way to do it would be in iTunes. That's purely because it seems to be the majority of people have. Um, either an iPad or an iPhone or a MacBook or something. So anything with iTunes, basically, or the podcast. Actually, no, it's more, I think it's the actual podcast app that Apple push now. And then we've got some other things as well. So you can subscribe via the website itself. So there's an RSS feed. So if that's your thing, then um, that will show up um, in the RSS feed stuff. Uh, you can go on Stitcher. Stitcher Radio is a big one. Um, we're also on, yeah, so Spotify and... Um, just loads of other like smaller podcast networks like um, uh, uh, Podbean. You know, it's just any anything that you listen to podcasts on. If you just do a search for us, you should find us. But um, it's really cool that we landed on Spotify, so that's really cool. Um, Adam and I also grabbed you know various pieces of merchandise throughout the year, which is good. Um, Adam got a couple of really good Robert Harrop figures. Actually, he put one on the other day. Um, just re- the Robert Harrop stuff. I know we always mention this as well, but if you're after some really cool Doctor Who merch, then pick up at least one Robert Harrop figure. They're really cool. And I'm not, not really going to recommend the the Doctor's figures um, purely because from the neck down, they look great, but the face um, sculpt is not quite there, I would say. Um, yeah. Um, but everything else, like all the monsters, I've got the Sea Devil which looks absolutely brilliant. Adam's got a couple. Um, he, the, the, the TARDIS figure that they do is beautiful. It's really good. Um, yeah, so we picked up some Robert Harrop stuff, and then we had like the other normal stuff, like plenty of sort of Titan blind boxes and books and various DVDs and Blu-rays and so on. Uh, and Adam got some really cool Christmas cards signed by Tom Baker himself, which was really cool. Uh, and then lastly, the other cool thing for us is that we, we took on a bunch of writers as well. Uh, so we took on uh, Dan Peters, Jordan Shortman, and Maria Kalitichu. I still get that wrong every time. Um, but those guys have been churning out some really, really cool articles. So our website is not just to host the podcast. It's now there for plenty of cool reviews and articles. Um, we've been putting up more big finish reviews from Jordan. Um, and then Dan and Maria have been... Um, writing some really cool articles on various stories and things to do with Doctor Who. The last one was actually the our Christmas quiz. So that's on there that Maria did, which is really cool. So thank you to those guys for um, for jumping on board and are willing to sacrifice their time to get these articles up. They're really, really cool. So, so we had some pretty cool stuff happen for us as a podcast. 
over uh, 2017. And I'll come on to some of our smaller plans um, later on. Uh, but for now, we're back in orbit, so I need to land again. And we're going to do a bit of Q&A. Thank you so much, guys, for sending in your questions and and stuff you want to know. So I'm going to try and answer these fairly quickly. I'm not going to dwell on these too much. And I haven't looked at any of these yet. I'm going to try and fire from the hip, as it were. Uh, so I'm going to go to Twitter first. And this is SilentNerdC137 says, What are your top five stories from classic or the new series that you find are underrated? Wow. Uh, top five, underrated. Okay, I'm going to say a couple of uh, McCoy stories. Um, I think The Greatest Show in the Galaxy is underrated. I think that it doesn't get enough love. And I also think, actually, yeah, I'll pick one So from McCoy. So The Greatest Show, I would say. Uh, I'm going to say one of the Hartnell stories, um, The Aztecs. I think that's very underrated. It's a, It's a really cool historical one and... Yeah, just got some great scenes. Um, I'm going to also say The Christmas Invasion, Tenant Story, his first story, because that normally gets, and I'm guilty of this as well, but that normally gets lumped in with the, oh, the the, the Doctor Who Christmas specials are a bunch of beep, um, which I'm not going to argue with too much. But um, yeah, The Christmas Invasion, it's, it is underrated because although David Tennant isn't in it until sort of the final third, if you like, his performance is just amazing. It's, um, and it's a really good story as well. It's, uh, it's not the, the usual twaddle that we have to deal with from the other, some of the other Christmas specials. So yeah, the Christmas invasion number four would be, I'm feeling like a, a Davison story that's in my head at the moment. I actually really like Earthshock. And I don't think that gets enough love either. I think Earthshock, because, you know, everybody just thinks of it as, the, you know, the one where Adric dies. And yes, that is true. But I think that's a, a real solid story. And that doesn't get enough love either. So I'm going to say Earthshock. And then lastly, I'm going to say, number five, the most underrated story, in my opinion, would be, the horror of Fang Rock. I think that's another one that kind of slips under the radar a lot. And uh, I think that's a cracking story. But it's one that when you're talking about Doctor Who, especially Tom Baker stories, it isn't one that comes up very often at all. You always get the usual stuff like, um, like Genesis and Pyramids of Mars, Seeds of Doom, um, uh you know, all that sort of the usual ones that people go like City of Death and uh, the Ark in Space, possibly. Um, but yeah, so I think Horror of Fang Rock, it really does um, get missed a lot when people are talking about Classic Who. And yeah, I think that's an underrated story for sure. So uh, very sorry for dragging that out. But um, yeah, they're my top five. Um, Daniel Fox 999 says, what are your thoughts on the end of time? I absolutely love it. And also exactly what do you hate about the Drash Eggs? Uh, my thoughts on the end of time is I absolutely love the end of time. 
Um, however, I always cry like a baby um, throughout the last half of part two. Um, but I do love it. I think it's, um, yeah, I, I just think it's such a great send-off for, for Tennant after he had such an amazing run. Um, yeah, I love Wilf in that one. I love, um, you know, just the, the whole plot, really. Um, yeah, and it's fantastic. And it's it's really emotional as well. I think Russell T. Davis just did, you know, in, you know to, to bring his era of Doctor Who full circle and, and and say goodbye to those people in a way that he did is is genius and he's such a great writer especially for characters you know we've said this many a time russell just he does characters so well and uh yeah and a great send-off for tenant very emotional i always just yeah blubber like a like a like an idiot um and the drashigs what do i hate so much about them well i just think they're the design is ridiculous in the story you know it's about these big, you know, the way that they're built up, you know, it's like they're these big, you know, terrifying, you know, uh, things that like, stalk you across the landscape and and all this. And they turn out to be these just rubbishy looking rubber hand puppets with these, yeah, oh, man, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to go into that too much because I'll, I'll rant for ages, but yeah, not a fan of the Drashigs at all. Uh, Mike Friendly 3 says, one question, Gary. Who do you think would make a better doctor, Adam or yourself? Me, obviously. Uh, Sammy Satine says, do you collect, you don't collect as much merch as Adam. What is it that makes you want to purchase something and why? Um, yes, I don't collect as much merch as Adam because I really don't have the room, <laughs> in all honesty. Um, I really need to keep my collection sort of lean and, uh, and only pick up the things that I want. So what makes me purchase something is it has to be like something that I that immediately grabs me and makes me think, oh my god, I, you know, I can't live without that piece of merch in my collection. And uh, the last thing was that Seventh Doctor Collector's Edition set. When I saw that, and you know, the huge book that comes with it, and so on, I was like, oh man, that just looks beautiful. Um, so yeah, it has to be something that grabs me immediately, and you know, and, and really gets me, gets me excited. Otherwise, um, I have to think carefully about taking up too much space. Uh, Nathan DMF says, I have two questions. What are some of your personal favourite Doctors and what Doctor era is your favourite? Um, you know, some of my personal favourite Doctors, that's a very tricky one. That's always difficult to answer because my answer changes regularly. Um, but at the moment, my favourite Doctors would be um, Pertwee, Tom Baker, McCoy, McGann, and Capaldi. But if you ask me that question again in a month's time or in six months' time, they'll probably be completely different. And what era is your favourite? Um, classic Who is my favourite. Uh, let's move on. Dolphin1965 says, Do you prefer a crowded TARDIS like Davison or more of a single companion like Pertwee? Also wondering if you've listened to the Zagros story on Big Finish. Um do I prefer a crowd? Yeah, actually, I, I really like the crowded TARDIS thing. I think the Davison era with with Tegan and, and Adric and all those guys, I think, yeah, I really like that because it provides a lot more opportunity to do stuff with the story. Um, you know, on the same hand, on the same... Sorry, on the other hand, it also provides a little bit of a... a bit of a... 
you know, some stories, they just end up being, you know, just useless. You know, there are some Davison stories where, um, you know, those guys just wander around and don't really contribute much and don't really do much. So as long as the writing is there and makes use of those companions, then I quite like the crowded TARDIS. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like the, you know, I don't mind the the, the Pertwee sort of single companion thing. It's not too bad. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I don't mind the old... Uh, the old tardy, old crowded TARDIS. So that was it on Twitter. Thank you so much. We're going to move on to Facebook now. Um, let's have a look. Neil Monday says, before I moved to the US from the UK, I wasn't really aware of how popular Doctor Who was outside of the UK. These days, it's a, it's globally loved. What do you think it is about Doctor Who that makes it translate so well to people and countries across the world? Hmm. Interesting. That's a big question as well. What makes it translate so well to people and countries across the world? I think it's just good old-fashioned storytelling and more about the themes. There's something, um, there's something very kind of special and very unique about um, th- um, sort of the thematic side of storytelling. And if if you can nail those, then you know, you can make it work across, you know, anything, you know, any country, any person. And it's, it's really when you have a good theme. So I don't think it's, I think there are two things really. I think there's a more sort of deep rooted, more, you know, just classic storytelling essence to Doctor Who, because it's just good old, it's good old fashioned sci-fi. Um, and it has a, you know, uh, it's always changing. So, you know, because of the, the nature of the Doctor's regeneration and the show itself regenerates from time to time, you know, it keeps it fresh almost. When we jumped from the RTD to the Moff era, that was a very big leap, you know, in everything. You know, and that was fresh there. And then we have a new Doctor, that's a new bit of freshness and so on. Um, but it's just the themes, really. It's just about and this is constant throughout any of any of the really big successful stories that have been with us over the years. So if you think about things like um, Tolkien's work with Lord of the Rings and so on, George Lucas with Star Wars and all that stuff, um, you know, it's just it's more about the themes behind, you know. So I think you know this idea of regeneration and the Doctor being a hero and you know having a companion and regeneration, you know, those themes really are sort of globally accepted, you know, they're not just isolated to the UK. So I think other country it works so well in other countries because of that. And also in a bit more of a shallow um <laughs> point of view, I think the lead actor also sells it. So if you think about when Doctor Who came back in two thousand and five, the ratings were good, but then when Tennant took over, you know, because of David Tennant and his performance, you know, that really did propel it, you know, massively. And I think since the show came back in 2005, I think the ratings were at its highest when Tennant was was the Doctor. So I think, yeah, it's kind of two parts. It's those themes that are just universally recognised as sort of just good storytelling. And also, you know, that whoever's the Doctor. And that's always been the case, even back since Hartnell. It's always been, you know, it's down to the lead actor to, to sell the show and, you know, and, and make it what it is, really. So thanks for that, Neil. Uh, Lou Gallagher says, how old were you when you first got into Doctor Who? And has it ever influenced you in any way? 
or perhaps inspired you to an extent. He says, for me, when I was six, when you who started, I'm now 19 and growing up with it helped me, inspire me to try and get into acting. Oh, cool. Uh, so Lou, yeah, I, I was, I got into Doctor Who when I was very late. Um, although I'd been into sort of science fiction since my earliest memories, my earliest memories of sci-fi are actually Star Wars. So Star Wars is like my first love of star of sci-fi, if you like. And it wasn't until I was, an, you know, I think it was, oh, crikey, I've told this story a few times, but I remember watching a Matt Smith episode from Series 5 on TV, just flicking through. And I'd been aware of Doctor Who, obviously, for, for years before that. I'd always known of it and, and stuff. And I think I'd even seen, like, little snippets here and there, but I'd never sat and watched a full episode. And I was flicking through um, channels, came across Doctor Who, that was on, it was a Matt Smith episode on BBC One. And I must have put it on Doctor Who and then had to do something quickly because I didn't carry on flicking through the channels. Anyways, just, you know, was watching it and it just gripped me from there, really. So I can't remember how old I was. I think I was, oh, crikey. How old am I now? I'm 37. And I think I got it in, I think that was back in, oh, well, I was 30, 32, 31, something like that. My early thirties anyway. And, uh, and it does inspire me. Absolutely. My, my, um, my day job, I'm a web designer and graphic designer and coder sort of, you know, front end developer and stuff. So whenever I'm doing any sort of design work, really, I always try and you know, throw in a little, you know, a little nod, a little hidden little thing to the Doctor Who, where I use like a like TARDIS blue for something, or you know, if I'm coding, I might name a class for something like a bit cheeky, you know, something from Doctor Who. So, um, yes, it does influence me definitely. And whenever I'm doing any graphic design work as well, always if I'm doing some just digital artwork or something like that, it's normally Doctor Who based and so on. So it definitely inspires me and has influenced. Uh, Stuff outside of the podcast, absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, Rob Koenig says, how do you listen to find the time for listening to audiobooks? I really struggle to find a solid amount of time to listen to them at length. That's a good one. I think this is going to be different for everybody, really. There's no... It's. Uh, I can't really recommend one single way to, to consume audio content. Um, I think it's just a case of finding a, finding a, a moment in your day or a moment in your week where... You're you're doing something where you can have it on in the background. So for me, I normally, well, I try and have it on when I'm working, um, but I always end up rewinding it and going back because I'm not concentrating. So I'm listening to it sort of ninety percent for the most part. Um, but then what I normally do is have it on when I'm driving. So if I'm driving anywhere, I normally have big finish on, or if I'm doing something mundane like you know, cooking dinner or doing some ironing or something, I normally have it on then. So it's a bit of a, a tough one to to find time. And I know people that do this in different ways. Like I know a couple of people that always have it on in their morning commute in the car and coming back from work as well. I know somebody that when they go to bed, they stick their headphones on and they start listening to it and then they they wake up, wake up in a tangle of headphones and so on. Uh, I also know people that listen to it when they study so it's just, you know, it's just finding, 
I wouldn't. Sometimes it's difficult to to allocate a time slot just for to listen to audio stuff. If you say to yourself, right, I'm going to try and find an hour or so, you you know, you probably won't. <laughs> so it's probably best to try and do it to try and listen to those whilst you're doing something else, if that makes sense. Especially if you're on train journeys or commutes or something like that, it's best to try and uh, and give them a listen then. I uh, hope that helps. Uh, Jason Thayer says, when are you going to review any of the old Big Finish stories like Storm Warning or uh, The Mariah Conspiracy? Um, I'm really not sure, Jason, is the answer to that. Um, one of our plans for next year is to review Big Finish, but I'm not sure on the older stuff. Um, I really don't know on that one. We'll have to get back to you. Um, we maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a, maybe we'll do like a recommendation. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. Um, a, a big finish request month or something where you guys can vote for, you know, the, the stories that you want reviewed or maybe we'll do something like that. But at the moment, Jason, um, I honestly don't know. So we're, we watch this space basically. <laughs> uh, so Jake of the Burt Whistle says a couple of questions. What's your biggest guilty pleasure story? And if you could make a Doctor Who spin-off, where would it be set in the Hooniverse? And who would you have in it? So my biggest guilty pleasure story, I'm probably going to say... See, a part of me is leaning towards an unearthly child. Because although that doesn't particularly get bad reviews as such, these are tough ones on the spot, I tell you. I'm going to say, yeah, an unearthly child, I would say. Um, there are so many times when I reach for that one. And it's probably, if I was to tweet that and say, what should I, what classic story should I watch? I'm pretty sure not many people would recommend that one. I just think, just because it's, you know, the status that it has and the importance that it has, um, I think people just automatically sort of leave it behind sometimes because they assume that everyone likes it anyway and whatever. But, you know, I, I, I do find myself reaching for that one. Um, you know, not not regularly, but quite a lot. If I'm thinking like, if I'm really in a mood for classic Who, and I'm like, what, you know, what 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 do I fancy watching? I'll generally reach for that one. Um, either that, or if we're talking about newer Doctor Who, I'd probably say the TV movie. I would say, um, yeah, you've probably heard Adam and I review that on the show. Um, we did it. And then we did a re-review of it for episode 165 just recently. Yeah, I just really, really like that that story. I think McGann is absolutely superb um, as the Doctor in that. And um, yeah, and that's one that's very divided and often gets poor reviews and stuff. But I, there's something about it I just really like. So I'd probably say either An Unearthly Child or the TV movie. And what was your other question? If you could make a Doctor spin-off, who would it be and what? What, where would it be set and who would have it? It's an easy one for me. I've said this loads of times. I think a cracking spin-off would be Clive. Those of you that remember um, watching the episode Rose, the very first um, Eggleston story in 2005, um, when Rose is researching the Doctor and trying to find him, she comes across a guy called Clive who himself has been researching the Doctor over many, many years and out in his garden shed, I think it is. Um, he's got 
you know, tons and tons of files and he's been, you know, sort of made it, made it his, his life work, if you like, to, um, to try and track down the doctor. So I think his character, I think he's, I think he's got such a brilliant backstory to be told, you know, um, cause he does explain to Rose how he, you know, got into, you know, finding the doctor and trying to find out who he is and so on. But he's just got such a massive collection of files and, data and everything and you can tell that over many years you know he's been researching the doctor and so so i think you know it does sound pretty quirky and weird but i think clive from um from the eccleston and in terms of where it would be set just in this time frame really um so yeah i would say the adventures of clive there you go it's got big finish written all over it uh joseph howard says is the doctor who peter cushing movies worth getting and what was the last movie you saw in the cinema? Um, I would say that, yes, they are worth getting. Um, they do provide, you know, a, a slightly different take on Doctor Who. They're obviously not, they're not considered canon. Um, however, they are very much Doctor Who. It's just the very different angle. You know, the production is very different. And the Doctor himself, Peter Cushing, although Peter Cushing is very good, you know, his you know, the way that they want the, the Doctor to be portrayed in those movies is is slightly different to what we've seen in any of the other classic years. Um, and obviously the Daleks are are in there. And um, But yeah, it's just a different... It's just it's, it's cool to watch Doctor Who from a different bunch of people who think this is how Doctor Who should be. Um, and Peter Cushing is very good. So if you can find them cheap, I wouldn't say spend sort of, you know, big money on... on on the Blu-rays or anything, but if you can pick them up fairly cheap, then yes, they are worth getting. And the last movie you saw in the cinema, oh, I can't remember. It's been ages since I went to the cinema. I think it was, I think it was, I must have taken, oh, (laughs) this is going to be really weird. I took my son to see um, the Captain Underpants. (laughs) I took my son to see the Captain Underpants movie a couple of months ago. Um, which was actually wasn't that bad. Oh no, I tell a lie. Sorry, I know when it was. <laughs> it, me and my wife went to see uh, the new version of it at the cinema, which is really cool. Actually, there we go. That was the last time I went to the cinema. I, well, if, by the time you're listening to this, though, um, in a sort of a timey wimey answer, the last time would have been last night. If you're listening to this on Friday, the the fifteenth. Um, when I was at The Last Jedi showing. So there you go. Uh, Miles McKenzie, which story are you most excited to review in 2018? Uh, most excited to review? Um, probably, um, well, Twice Upon a Time, obviously. Um, that'll be one of our first reviews when we come back after Christmas and the New Year. Other than that... Um, there's a couple of classic stories that are going to be really cool. Um, so I'm really looking forward to reviewing Power of the Daleks with Adam to talk about the animation and so on. Um, I'm really looking forward to um, a couple of the Pertwee stories. Um, so um, the three Doctors we haven't done yet and um, Inferno. So Inferno is one of my favourite Pertwee stories. So a couple of those, really looking forward to. Um, Genesis of the Daleks for Tom Baker. We haven't 
we haven't done that one yet. And also probably um, the Sharda review. That would be really cool. Um, and then from, I mean, there's probably a couple of others as well. I mean, I get excited about re- reviewing all of them, but those are probably the most, you know, the ones I'm really looking forward to for Classic Who. And then for, for newer Doctor Who, probably... Mm, um, uh, the day of the doctor I would say uh, such a unique story you know one that we haven't really thought about at all yet so that's going to be cool yeah so probably those ones uh, Luke Allen he's fired over a bunch of questions a few of them are quite short and sweet so I'm going to answer those first uh, he says pretzels or cake I'm going to say cake uh, what is your favourite verb um, wow uh, favourite verb is boogie <laughs> Uh, just because it's cool. Um, what is your guilty pleasure film? Guilty pleasure film. I assume you don't mean just Doctor Who. Um, guilty pleasure film would be The Goonies. Um, Favourite film or TV series featuring the Doctor Who cast? Hmm. Um, that's a difficult one. I really like the Capaldi series, The Thick of It. That's really funny. Um, I really like um, Guardians of the Galaxy with Karen Gillan as Nebula. Um, I think that's it, really. I really like Broadchurch with David Tennant. That's really, really cool. I love that. Um, There's probably a couple more, but yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the the quirky ones, Luke. Uh, Dooley Johnson says, Are you a fan of uh, Tommy Wiesel's The Room? Um, yes and no, I am. I appreciate the sort of furore surrounding it and its terribleness. Um, but yeah, if, if anyone's seen it, it's often touted as the worst film ever made. It's definitely there. (laughs) Um, but I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but I do appreciate the, uh, the quirkiness around it and the, the recent Seth Rogen stuff. And yeah, so. Uh, he also asked, what other shows do you watch besides Doctor Who? Um, well, I mean, there are things that I go back to um, uh, quite a lot um, over the years. Um, there's a couple of things. Well, recently, Stranger Things uh, series two. Um, so both series of Stranger Things, I think, are awesome. That's such a good program. Um, what else um, besides Doctor Who? Um, Rick and Morty absolutely love Rick and Morty I think it's um, yeah, one of the best sort of creative shows that have been out for a while um, I actually find myself watching a lot of my son's cartoons um, yeah some of the, the the design and creativeness of those is really good like Adventure Time and <laughs> um, uh um, is it? Yes, yeah, so there's a couple of of my son's cartoons that I, that I quite like. Um, but I also really like things like um, let me think TV shows. I watch quite a few documentaries, like the Blue Planet Two stuff is really good. Planet Earth, you know that stuff is amazing. Um, I watched The Walking Dead for a few seasons, but then got bored with that. But I thought the first sort of three or four seasons were absolutely brilliant. Um, and I'm a really fan of I'm a really big fan of older stuff as well. Oh, actually, um, Red Dwarf. I'm a huge Red Dwarf fan. So I uh, watch that religiously. Got some um, 
some cool little merch actually for Red Dwarf. Uh, so I love Red Dwarf. Um, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of like old school stuff when I was a kid. So I absolutely love Wurzel Gummage. Um, Adam and I have spoken about that <laughs> quite a few times. Yeah. But Wurzel Gummage is amazing. Um, the British Empire, um, Only Fools and Horses and stuff like that. So I'm hoping I'm answering this enough. Um, yeah, there's probably a, a bunch of other stuff that I that I really oh the X Files I love the X Files that's probably one of my favourite um, TV shows. Um, absolutely love the X Files. Um, yeah, so there's probably a couple of other ones as well, but yeah, probably those ones. Uh, Blazing Callum says, "What do you think of the Peter Cushing Doctor movies?" Kind of answered that in the previous one. Um, I think they are um, uh, they are good. You know they. They do provide a different take, and what I like about them is uh, it's it's an it's a, interesting to see um, other people make Doctor Who and what their vision of Doctor Who would be. Um, but yeah, they're not bad. Uh, Lewis Blackmore says, "What episode slash Doctor do you got you interested in Doctor Who?" Um, it was Matt Smith that got me interested in Doctor Who, um, but I honestly can't remember the episode. I think it was. Oh man, this is so difficult. I can't remember the episode. Um, but yeah, it was Matt Smith. So technically, uh, Matt Smith should be, quote, my doctor, close quote. Um, but, you know, unfortunately he isn't. But uh, it, it was Matt Smith, Lewis. Uh, Steve Hur says, what is the best and what is the worst piece of Who merchandise you have bought? Um, the best piece of merchandise I've bought is um, from Rubber Toe Props. It's the, um, the, uh, the, the TARDIS, the little cube um tardis what's it called the um siege mode tardis that's it it's like a little cube with like some gallifrey symbols and stuff it's just a great little prop it's really heavy and weighty and feels good it's a beautiful little thing the worst piece of merch i don't buy bad merch i wouldn't have thought um i like to think that anyway um well the worst piece of merch i got it wasn't really something that i purchased singularly for me um i did i got sent a review box from, um, you know, you get these monthly um, sort of geek boxes that are very popular these days, like Loot Crate and so on. There was one that some chaps in the UK had set up. I think it was called the Amazing Mystery Box or something like that. And um, that had some okay stuff in it, but it had some pretty rubbishy bits in there, like some Doctor Who collectible cards from like nine years ago or, you know, some Doctor Who bubble bath in there and, yeah, so that stuff wasn't great. But, you know, I I like to think that I don't buy bad merch. But, um, yeah, I've got a few bits that are not fantastic. Uh, Simon Ascuri says, Any news or ideas if we will get Series 3 and onwards on Blu-ray for Steelbooks? It's gone quiet since Series 2 was released. It has gone quiet. You are correct. I would like to think so, Simon. Because um, they do look marvellous on the shelf. And the uh, the artwork is fantastic for those steelbooks. So I don't have any news on those as yet. If any of our listeners do, that'd be good. But I haven't heard anything. I haven't seen anything pop up to say it's on it's on its way or anything. But I would like to think so. I do hope so. Uh, Chris Parry says, as Mr. Capaldi's leaving this Christmas, which story have you most enjoyed of his era in brackets so far? Well. A story of his that I've enjoyed. Yes, I'm going to say 
I mean, there's a few that I've really enjoyed of his. Uh, Mummy on the Orient Express was really, really good. Great story. Um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit to Series 10. I wasn't really a fan of Series 9, you know. Uh, the Zygon Invasion and the Zygon Inversion, they were they were great stories. Really like that, uh, those stories. Um, really enjoyed those. But I, I felt like, I mean, The Magician's Apprentice was, was okay. And the witches familiar those two they were they were quite cool but yeah i found series nine you know i don't want to rant too much here but too clara focused um but i really liked the pilot from series 10 i really liked um knock knock that's a great story um yeah so that those ones i would say are the, the most enjoyable uh stories for me from uh for capaldi uh chris parry says top three big finish releases of 2017 Hashtag predictor. Um, top three uh, of 2017. Well, the you know one that was always going to go down really well is the Tenth Doctor Volume Two uh, with Rose. Uh, that was really good. Um, when you say top big, uh, top three is in like my opinion or sort of sales figures. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, uh, Classic Doctor's New Monsters Volume Two. That was very, very good. And I would probably say... Hmm, another big finish this year that's been very cool. Um, I would probably say... There was a really cool McCoy story. and I'm, Actually, there was a couple of really good McCoy ones, actually. They really... They, they went nuts with McCoy in terms of absolutely nailing some great scripts for him. And I'm torn between two. I'm going to say either the high price of parking, which was really good, um, which was him and Ace and um, uh, Bonnie Langford. What's her name? What's her name? In the, her character name. Crikey. Mel, of course. Uh, so that was with Sophie and Mel. That was a really good story. And the other one that was really good is the Silurian Candidate, which was really cool. It's an interesting story, that one, because it wasn't, um, you know, we've seen the Silurians, obviously, many times, but this was a really good, um, really, really good story. So I'm going to say either of those two as well. Really enjoyed those. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, Loopy Lou. She says, so who are you replacing Adam with? Winky face, he he. Very cheeky, Louise. Um, but I'll tell you next week. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, we can't replace Adam. Who could ever replace Adam? Never. Uh, James Coleman says, I've never listened to any big, big Finnish audios. I might start to in the future. What would you recommend as a starting point? Hmm. We get this question an awful lot, <laughs> and um, sometimes it's really easy to answer, sometimes it's difficult, just because Big Finish put out so much content, they're always putting out stuff all the time, so it's you know forever changing really, but there are a few classics that are good to get into. Um, there were a bunch, when I first started getting into Big Finish a few years ago, there was a bunch of, of classics that I... Um, um, that, that I picked up when I asked that question as well, and I'm glad I picked these ones up. So 
there are a few that you'll get here you'll, you'll hear recommended a lot as well so um spare parts davison story fantastic genesis story for Cy for the cybermen um the chimes of midnight a mcgann story uh, embrace the darkness another mcgann story really really good um there's a there's a couple of collections as well that are cool to pick up um so the light at the end which was like a a sort of special edition group doctor story that they released back in 2013 uh that's a, a reasonably good story but it's a good way of getting a little taster of each of the doctors if you like in one collection so that's really good um and then a couple of standout stories um mcgann's fantastic interestingly some of the the doctors that didn't get reviewed or rated that highly in their tv runs have actually shined on uh shone have actually shone shined shone shone on big finish so notably colin baker and and paul mcgann they are so good on big finish so a couple of really cool colin baker stories the one doctor um is a fantastic little story um with uh christopher biggins and that he's with Mel in that story. That's a really good uh, little story. There's another one that was released fairly recently. Um, I think it was last year. Um, yeah, it's a really good one called Order of the Daleks, another really cracking Colin Baker story. Um, and then there's a couple of cool um, McGann stories. So the ones that I've mentioned. Um, and there's also a couple of uh, box sets called... Um, Dark Eyes and Doom Coalition. They're both really, really good. Um, so I'd pick up Dark Eyes Volume 1 and start ploughing through that story. It's a fantastic uh, story. Um, and like I said, McGann is it's just brilliant. Um, there's a couple of cool little spin-offs. So if you're a fan, fan of um, Talons of Wing Chiang, then uh, Jago and Lightfoot, they've got a massive run with Big Finish. Um, so it's worth... Uh, picking up the, um, the at least the first box set of those uh, Jago and Lightfoot series one really really good um, and if, again if you want a little taster of each of the Doctors then pick up the classic Doctors New Monsters box set that will give you a good another little cool sort of short story of each one there's loads of really good Tom Baker stories littered throughout and some of the big finish also do a series of things called short short trips which is not starring any of the the lead actors but they're like the, the name would suggest they're short stories but they're read by the companions um so they can be quite good uh, gardens of the dead is a pretty good one read by mark strix and washington burns read by sophie aldred they're pretty good um yeah so there's a few to get you started there's also a really cool website called thetimescales.com. I don't know if anyone's heard of that or visits that frequently, but it's a very, very good website where it's it's a really good sort of active community and they review all of the big finished stories, you know, right from the beginning, you know, through to the latest releases. So if you want to have a look on there as well, you'll be able to look at sort of a bunch of stories that have been rated very highly by lots of people on there. So that's normally an indication of a good one to pick up. So... The ones that I've suggested, and also um, head over to thetimescales.com and uh, you'll be able to fish out a few decent stories to get you started. But I absolutely recommend uh, getting started with Big Finish. That's um, It's very, very cool. Uh, last couple now. Dean Jones says, 
Oh, sorry, it's the last one. Uh, Favourite series opener since 2005? Hmm. Favourite series opener? Um, well, I'm obviously thinking Rose, that's for sure. Rose was such a great... Yeah, just... They could have got that so wrong, you know. They really could have screwed that up big time. But it was... I don't know, it's brilliant. I love that first one with Rose. Um, I really like The Christmas Invasion, like I mentioned earlier in the show. Love that. That series too. Is that a series series opener, would you say? It's more of a prelude to series two, but it sort of gets grouped in with that. So Um, I really like The 11th Hour. That's really cool. Um, But no, I'm going to say Rose. I'm going to stick with Rose. Um, Purely because... uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it really sort of ushers in that new era of Doctor Who. But it's also, you know, I'm so glad that they didn't, um, you know, I'm so glad that they didn't reboot Doctor Who. I'm so glad that they just, you know, just carried on the story and the canon and all that stuff. And yeah, so Rose, I would say. So that's going to do for Q&A. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. I hope that's given you a little bit of a an insight into uh, my thoughts on Doctor Who and anything else. So thank you so much for those. Um, I'm just going to close the show off now with some plans for 2018, some stuff that Adam and I will be up to. Uh, the bulk of it will just be more of the same, really. Um, there are often times where... Um, I think to myself, you know, I'm going to change the show up a bit and I'm going to, you know, change it and introduce, you know, move bits around and new stuff. But I th- I, th- I think, you know, every time I think about it, I, norm- I normally cancel that thought within a few minutes because, you know, so many of you say that the format for our show works really well. And I'm, you know, I, I love the format that Adam and I have a little bit of a, a catch up and a bit of a waffle. And then we bring you guys what's happening in the world of Doctor Who and then we... And then we waffle on some more about what, you know, whatever we're reviewing that particular week. So I really like that. So for the bulk of 2018, it's going to be more of the same, really. But we are going to do a few more bits and pieces. So a couple of things that we are definitely going to review at some point next year will be the Sarah Jane Adventures and Torchwood. Because we get requests for those all the time. Um, So we've still got a lot of Doctor Who to review, especially from the classic years. So classic Doctor Who, we've got, I, well, I don't even think we're halfway through. Well, that's not, well, well, it depends on what, on what Doctor we're talking about. I mean, we've only got three left for McCoy. We've only got four left for Colin Baker, which is the Trial of a Time Lord box set. Um, but the other Doctors, and um, we've got quite a few, loads and loads of, of poets we Loads of Tom Baker, as you would expect. Um, and yeah, quite a few. So, and then in terms of New Who, I mean, we've done all of Chris Eccleston, which is very sad. Um, but we've got, yeah, a reasonable amount of of Tennant and Matt Smith stuff that we've done most. We've done all of Capaldi's, obviously. So we've got loads of Who left to do. I would say we're, we're not even halfway through, you know, everything since, you know, the Hartnell years. But we are going to throw in some Sarah Jane Adventures and some Torchwood. I'm not sure how we're going to do that yet, if we're going to do 
like an old like a triple alternative thing like one week it will be classic who the next week it will be new doctor who then it will be sarah jane then class i'm really not sure yet but we will definitely be reviewing all of that stuff next year we're also going to do some more big finish reviews as well so that's another thing that we get asked a lot is the big finish stuff so again i'm not sure how that's going to work um, we're definitely going to do volume two of the 10th doctor series because we did volume one so we're going to follow that up and uh yeah so i'm not sure we might just stick to the like the special editions so we won't review like all of the monthly range because like i said big finish put out so much stuff so we probably won't do that but we'll do um we might do like the special box sets or any specials that come out and stuff like that or we might do requests as i said if you guys want us to review a particular story then we might do that um the other things we might well, sorry, the other things that we will uh, do more of, we're going to do some more interviews with the people behind Doctor Who. So we've had some great interviews in the past where we've um, where we've interviewed some great people. Um, if you just want to go onto our website and do a search for... Um, I normally put the word interview in the, in the title. So if you just do a search for... Um, just do a search for interview you should see it on there we've interviewed a few cool people over the years but we're going to do some more of that stuff and we're also going to do some more convention reports so adam and i are planning to get out to more events next year um, we've already booked in a couple uh, the first one is another event at the bfi which is the day of the doctor screening which is going to be very cool so we're going to be doing more sort of reports and 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 stuff from there over 2018 which is very cool um and lastly we may get onto youtube maybe 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 i know i say this a lot and uh, back in september of this year i had a youtube video already and done i'd filmed it you know i'd edit it it all looked nice and stuff and i was about to click the button to to upload it to youtube but there was just something telling me you know not now you know now it doesn't feel like now's the time so very, very close to, to landing on YouTube. And I think it was just a case of, you know, 2017 was looking really busy at that time. Um, so, yeah, what the last thing I wanted to do was announce that we're on YouTube and we're going to do that stuff. But then, you know, six weeks have gone by and people are saying, we're in your next video and stuff. So I want to make sure that when we do get onto YouTube that, you know, we've got a steady stream of content and you can expect regular videos and so on. So that, I'm going to say likely for 2018 i'm not going to say definitely but um yeah it's looking likely that 2018 could be the year for youtube for us so yeah maybe so that's 2018 for us and i think i'm going to do there for 169 Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening through this uh, very weird and strange um, solo show <laughs> with just me waffling on. Uh, it's been great uh, to fill you in on 2017, stuff that's been happening on Doctor Who, uh, stuff that's been happening for us in general. And thank you so much for sending in all your questions as well. It's been really fun and actually quite taxing trying to answer some of those on the spot. So, uh, very very cool thank you so much uh, next year we've got some cool plans uh, largely more of the same 
Uh, but we are going to throw in some additional stuff to review. Uh, some more convention stuff and possibly some video bits. Possibly a bit of YouTube. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, next time that you'll hear from us won't be until January. So for the next two weeks, there will be no podcast. Uh, Adam is, as we speak, should have landed by now in China. He's going to spend Christmas over there. And I will be in New York for Christmas and I'm leaving next week. Uh, so, um, yes, there'll be no podcast for the next two weeks. Our next show will be on Friday the 5th of January. And that will be our review of Twice Upon a Time. Uh, so I hope you guys uh, managed to see that. They're chatting to a few people and you say, oh, I'm not going to be here as well. It's annoying. But uh, wherever you are in the world, I hope you get to see Twice Upon a Time. Um, head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous episodes on there. Plus, you can link off to all the social stuff. And, uh, yeah, just give us a, a subscribe and a, a like in iTunes, anything. Also, check out, check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Just do a search for that over on YouTube and Twitter and all that stuff. Follow Adam's great content and all his videos over there. All that's left for me to say is thank you so much, guys, for a fantastic 2017. It really has been a brilliant year for us, and it wouldn't be a, a brilliant year when we wouldn't enjoy it so much if it wasn't for you guys listening and participating and so on. So thank you so much. Uh, have a wonderful Christmas. I hope you have the best Christmas and get loads of cool Doctor Who merchandise under the tree. We will see you in 2018 on the 5th of January. Until then, my name's Gary, and... Uh...